Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. Do sit down. We're just about to have some tea. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. Hello weirdos, the kettle's boiled. Welcome to Tea for Terror, where we take a favourite horror film and dissect it over a nice cup of tea. I'm your host, Andrew Graves, and my guest today is here to tell us that the caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house! <laughs> Welcome back, James Whittington. You're my first return guest. How does it feel oh. to have this uh, this uh, this this title thrust upon you? It's the best Christmas present I could ever ask for, mate. Good to see you again. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good chat last time. Um, yeah, we looked at Halloween three last time, which you know I think we both agree is um, just a fantastic uh, part of that franchise. Probably the, you know, all the apart from the first one, I think it's probably my favourite part of that franchise. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, we're going to be discussing another film later on. Um, so what, what have you been up to? So how's um, Nick's going? So tell us about Nick's, just to remind people about that and how it's going and what what, what your role is within that. Uh, Nick's is now the only free-to-air horror channel in the UK. Um, it recently moved on to Freeview 289, and it's doing incredibly well. I mean, really, really well. And I think it's mainly down to the... The, diff the different sort of content the show, the show, everything from Euro horror to Hammer horror, you know, they've got Tales the Unexpected during the day, animation like Ruby Gloom, you know, classic mystery shows like um, things that were rarely seen over here, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, you know, stuff stuff that don't really have to cut down for daytime programming. And on, on you know, we have Hammer Sundays, which are doing extremely well. We've recently had a Simon Rumley season, it's actually still running at the moment. And it's just a chance for people to see stuff they wouldn't normally see. You know, it, it, you know, we've got these double bills coming up. It's the retro feel, I think, which we discussed last time, that people are really latching onto at the moment. Everyone loves the retro feel of of of, of um, the horror we show at the moment. Yeah, I, I was. Um... I'm, I'm a bit of a hermit. I don't really go out much, um, but I, I, you know, it's Christmas, obviously. So it was my mate's birthday as well. So last night I went went out, and I don't drink. So um, we're in a pub, but I was just on obviously non-alcoholic stuff. Um, but obviously, because they know, I don't. I only kind of see a lot of people um, like once a year at Christmas, you know. So and they know I kind of write about horror and stuff like that. So last night was just very much. I don't know. It just turned. It, I didn't start this, but it just turned into a bit of conversation about tales of the unexpected, and it was just like, "Oh, can these fucking <laughs> four old cunts just sitting there going, oh, do you remember this one? Do you remember this one?'" It's like, "Fucking hell, we're going to start talking about the fucking Spangles in a minute, Jesus!" <laughs> and starburst and it's like the worst. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, but tales of the unexpected. I think you know. To be honest, I think you know. I've got, um, I've got the kind of. Um, network on air box sets and stuff and um mm. uh i i think they were I, I to be honest if i'm being very honest i think some of them are 
very much expected. And there's, there's not, I mean, there's, the, the twists aren't that brilliant. You know, some of it's a bit, bit ropey now, but I, the ones that do stand out are, are just amazing. Mm. I mean, flypaper mm. is the one that stands out for me. That's just yeah, yeah. creepy as hell just terrifying yeah. and the ones that actually because i don't think i ever saw flypaper as a kid i don't know thankfully i i, I bypassed <laughs> that one but the ones that terrified me as a kid absolutely traumatized me were um georgie porgy um which yeah, is yeah. you know the one with another uh, jane collins was in a few but she was in this one where she plays a mm -hmm. kind of horrible mother and she, it, the ending of that is just insane. Um, mm -hmm. The other one that terrified me was um, with Elaine Stritch, where her husband dies, and they bring him back as basically a brain and an eye in a box. Uh, <laughs> and I couldn't sleep for a week after that, I, 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 because that's a terrifying thing in itself. But yeah. there's also a scene before that where she's talking to the doctor who's done this procedure and that he's showing her kind of a slideshow of things they've done in the past. And one of the things they show is this dog, just a dog's head that they brought back to life. And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's just horrible. <laughs> creepy as hell, you know. But I mean, so that some of those other episodes, even if they're not creepy, they're, they're just very well done. I mean, you know, like a lot of things from that time, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they just had quality casting you know you get oh yeah Peter Cushing and, and Jacoby and people like that these are just you know proper brilliant mm -hmm. actors in these little half half hour episodes obviously you know the I suppose the modern equivalent would be something like Inside Number Nine you know um, mm -hmm. very much nods to that I mean the the, uh, the, Chris, the they've done two Christmas episodes but the, the original Christmas yeah. So it's the Krampus one. Um, that's very mm -hmm. obviously that they, they kind of. For those that don't know, I've not seen that. It's very much filmed as an early nineteen eighties video TV, and it looks very much like a Tales of the Unexpected episode. But it's got one of mm -hmm. the most mm -hmm. terrifying endings I've ever seen in a a yeah. comedy program. Which is a and things like that's a huge compliment to what's gone before, isn't it? When people try and recapture that sort of feeling of of watching things when they were younger in the 70s and the 80s you know and i think i think that's what inside number nine does the best yeah yeah because they they absolutely i mean i went i went to see the live q a they did um last christmas and um yeah i i think that they they are obviously they're really into that they know this stuff you know i'm mark mm -hmm. gattis as well you know it's it's very much you know if um I mean, League of Gentlemen is littered with those references and, and uh, Inside mm -hmm. Number Nine and Psychomania as well. Uh, not Psychomania. Mm -hmm. um, what was it called? Psych Psychoville. 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 Yeah, um, Psychoville is littered with those kind of references. Um, mm -hmm. And also, if you if you if you if you pick up the uh, one of the Blu-ray versions of like things like Blood on Satan's Claw the original sort of cast of League of Gentlemen, they do a brilliant commentary on blood on mm -hmm. Saints and and a, a really good commentary on theater of blood as well um mm -hmm. uh, yeah so they know this stuff and there's there's a great mm -hmm. um there was a radio four like half hour radio four documentary on a while back um and it uh it was about the it was called houses of horror and it was about the difference between amicus and hammer and they got right, yeah. like, reassure reassure smith to come on and talk about that mm -hmm. and it, 
you can tell he loves Amicus, you know. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so, so all of that is, is great, yeah. So, mm-hmm. James, um, we're recording this about a week away from Christmas, so uh, things are starting to get a bit tinselly uh, and a bit sort of uh, overly commercial, as, as they tend to do at this time of year. But I'm just wondering, because um, obviously you're, you're a returning guest. Now, when I, when I initially get guests on, what I ask them is how they got into horror the first time. Uh, but obviously we're not going to do that. But what I am interested is to hear your kind of what is and i don't <laughs> i don't mean it in a kind of one show thing what is christmas to you uh, but <laughs> I, I i want it what is your connection with like because what how do you in terms of viewing the things you might view which might be horror mm-hmm. or it might be slightly other things what 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 sort of things do you connect with christmas because i think i I think it's difficult now because everything is so geared towards Christmas. So you have mm-hmm. a Christmas film, you have a Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there weren't that when we were growing up, but I think a lot of things that we might associate with Christmas in terms of films, mm-hmm. TV shows or whatever, are th- well, films particularly are things that aren't necessarily Christmassy, but they mm-hmm. were the one time of the year y- Mm-hmm. pre-video pre-streaming pre-dvd times where you might get to see them i would say things like um films like you would class as the bank holiday fodder jason the argonauts you know anything with doug McClure in you know those i associate christmas with, with, with those sort of things you know watching something that would be you would never you know and i would tell you would never be shown unless it was like a specific holiday celebration and you'd always have these tentpole movies that would be shown, the original Planet of the Apes and things like that. And those are the things you, you would catch like an, an, on a morning or early afternoon on BBC too. And those are the sort of films I'll watch. Anything with Ray Harryhausen film, I'd associate with Christmas. So that's why I'd, I'd love to watch around this time of year, put one of those on, something, something like that, you know. That, that's, that's what, you know, a celebration, that's what Christmas is. It's sitting around... And being entertained, you don't. It doesn't have to be thought-provoking or life-changing. It's just something you can just thoroughly enjoy. Look at the craftsmanship in, in like I said, in the Harry House movies, and appreciate that, and just just relax. Yeah, I, I, I think you know, I'm, I'm very much similar. You know, I, yeah, it was mm-hmm. Christmas was about Ray Harry, Jason and the Argonauts, definitely, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Just, just amazing. Um, uh, you know, I, I turn into a bit of a cliche, but you know, things like Great Escape that would be a con, yeah, that yeah. Would be like you know, that will be oh, when's when's Great Escape on? When's mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz on? You know, that they mm-hmm. were very much seen as being Christmas kind of you know, as much as kind of more common wise and all that kind of stuff, but what absolutely. I think, but I think also for me, it was all it was kind of like it was. It was a lot of the times, yeah, we talked before about the sort of horror double bills, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of those horror films would pop up at Christmas as well. You know, mm-hmm. certainly Frankenstein. I don't know why, but Frankenstein seemed to be on, the original 31 version of Frankenstein seemed mm-hmm. to be on quite a lot uh, over Christmas mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Or maybe I've just distorted, but I know it was de- it's definitely within living memory. I can remember mm-hmm. that being on at Christmas. But also Curse of Frankenstein. I remember Curse of Frankenstein being on, uh, Christmas Eve as well, so they were things that always kind of I associate with Christmas as well, even though they have technically nothing to do with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, it's things like um, like film noir. 
they you know for a long time even though it's recently as like sort of 10 years ago i know like people like you know pipsy four would put on a season of film noir films around this time mm -hmm. to run over the christmas period uh and then you know things like marx brothers as well you'd see marx brothers films at christmas and and mm. that all of that to me it was kind of like you finished school you got in mm. you opened the radio times and you got your little pen out and you, you sort of went through and you argued with yeah. your brother so you'd argue with yeah, him, yeah. watching this watching i mean my brother was all right we had, yeah. he had very similar taste to me yeah. too, so but yeah that's what you did um so a lot of those things it wasn't necessarily because there weren't that many Christmas films as such. Mm -hmm. It was more things that you associated Chris with Christmas. Yeah. And you got a chance to experience, like you said, the, the film noir things. I'm, I'm not a very good, uh, like a much fan of gangster movies, but I saw Godfather for the first time. So I thought, oh, I've got the time to give this a try when I was younger. And it was fantastic. You know, and you, you get to be exposed to things like that. Laurel and Hardy used to be on like obviously two for 20 minutes. You got to see there, there's which you can't catch in anymore. You know that reminds me of being on the Christmas holidays. Yeah, yeah. Lot, lot, I mean, Laurel and Hardy, and I remember. I mean, I've not seen. I'm a massive Laurel and Hardy fan. I've got the big box set and everything like that. I'm a huge Laurel and Hardy fan. Um, but the one thing you, you kind of used to get when I was a kid, but they, I mean, they very rarely put Laurel and Hardy stuff on now anyway. But. Um, um but the one thing you used to get when i was a kid i've not seen it for years and unfortunately it's not part of the box that i've got is the babes in toyland laurel and hardy which we, yeah, i yeah. always kind of associated with christmas as well but i've, mm -hmm. not, I've literally not seen that for like 40 years mm -hmm. yeah. um i'll well, have to get a copy well, of that well can you remember christmas record breakers used to be on oh yeah uh, <laughs> it was just all these bbc personalities were like forced that this children entertainment program you know with Norris McWhorter and his, his <laughs> Nazi alliances. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a simpler time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know, you know, yeah, you got like, and I, I think that's the other thing as well. There'd always be some sort of, BBC especially, you'd always have some sort of Christmas thing like the box of delights or a a new mm. adaptation of pinocchio and and there was always like a thing you know around the end of november it'd start and then you'd have this the they'd have a feature on it on blue peter and you'd have mm. these poor blue peter presenters trying to convince you as kids that the effects that they were using in these bbc <laughs> dramas were we'll like the, 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 the state of the art and you're just sitting, sitting there thinking as a kid i've seen fucking star wars mate this is shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember the line the witch in the wardrobe and aslan was just oh god it was awful wasn't it well <laughs> but the thing that piss me you know so when you think you look back because i've because they've, they've stuck a load of uh they've stuck all the original doctor who you know the classic doctor who mm. series the surviving ones on bbc i play so i've been kind of working my way through that and they're great but it's like the thing that annoys me is that doctor who was massive it was fucking mm. massive before it started going downhill and the bbc had money they had and in you know they didn't have to advertise obviously they were getting money from us they didn't even have to try you know they could do no, yeah and it's just like where was this fucking money going because it weren't going into <laughs> one of your biggest tv shows i know that yeah you know yeah, it wasn't we, was I, it el dorado was, was el dorado the field sort was it yeah 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 i think a lot of it went to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that yeah. was a great investment 
or Ronnie Corbett's fucking pension. Like, fuck, I mean, yeah. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or, or you get um, Christmas time, you get fucking like, Everybody wanted to do it. Everybody was suddenly doing pantomimes, like fucking nationwide or fucking Blue Peter, and it's like it's just oh fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. I loved it. I loved Christmas as a kid, and I think you know the and I loved all the shit stuff as well, you know. But it's kind of like um, yeah, I, I think for, probably for most people, but for me certainly, the Christmases I remember most vividly are the Christmases from being sort of six seven and eight you know that was like golden time you know just i, I didn't have a great childhood later on like my mom and dad split up and all that a bit later on it was a bit shit after that but yeah being six seven and eight and christmas especially was like just a amazing sort of memories for me yeah great and tv made a proper effort then you know the the, the schedules would change for that whole fortnight there'd be no you know, children's TV would be back on till half nine instead of being on its own little station. And you'd wait for those special programmes to come on. And and now, there's, you know, you look at any any list of Christmas specials people like, they're all pre-2010, you know. You know, any Christmas specials, like you mentioned before, Eric and Ernie, even the two Ronnies, everyone remembers those, a lot, even the low, low and Heidi High, the Christmas specials people prefer. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing Ghosts because I think that's just been a superb um, situation comedy, one of the best I've seen for a long time. Um, but it's, it's nothing stand out anymore, is it? Like a big Christmas special. I'd, um, if you're into Ghosts, um, I would reckon, I wouldn't, I was, I went expecting nothing, but I went to see Wonka on Friday. Um, right. I was really impressed. I really liked it. Really, really mm -hmm. liked it. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's possibly because it's near to Christmas and I'm getting that vibe, but it was just really, mm -hmm. really nice. It's really nicely done. And Simon mm -hmm. Farnaby wrote, writes it. Um, who's obviously in Ghosts. And mm -hmm. it's got a lot of the cast from Ghosts in as well who pop up in, you know, in sort of cameos or bit. So, mm -hmm. yeah, if you like that kind of comedy and that kind of yeah it's just a great little film yeah so mm -hmm. uh, but i'm off to see uh to balance it out i'm going to see uh godzilla minus one later on as well Oh, good choice yeah which i've been looking that, forward that, to seeing that for a while that could be the um the double bill of, of next year really wonka and godzilla instead <laughs> of the new barbie heimer which was yeah. awfully sliced together we're gonna have like a oh, yeah wonkazilla wonkazilla <laughs> you gotta be careful how you see it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, the other thing, I mean, it's kind of like more sort of obvious now and kind of it's more of a thing. But I think, you know, the MR, they're not always MR James adaptations, but those, the, the ghost stories for Christmas, I think you've got, you've got the new ones, which I think the new ones are great. I think the, mm -hmm. Mark Gatiss doing those are fantastic. But yeah, back in the day, I mean, I, to be honest, it, it's easy to, for me to, try and rewrite history and say i was dead into them as a kid i wasn't i wasn't really aware of them as a kid at all mm -hmm. uh, or possibly my mom and dad just didn't you know they, <laughs> it just wouldn't have come across my radar to be honest mm -hmm. when i was a kid yeah obviously i've seen them all since and i've got the black blu-ray the B, the lovely bfi box sets really nice yeah. um but they are just incredible i think you know they and and mm. I, I, as soon as you get to like first of december i dig all those out and just just cane the lot you know I, I yeah work up until 
uh, Christmas Eve when they put the new one on. So yeah. So I mean, what's your t- what's your take on those kind of mm-hmm. Lawrence Gordon Clark originals? I, I love, I love, I love those because again, they're very innocent of the time, and I think mainly shot on film, and I yeah. think that helps. You know, but Tona, I, I recall Christopher Lee being on BBC Two reading. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. Adults. I remember that. And I think yeah. those, I, I don't think you can buy them anywhere, but I remember watching a couple of those. It was just fantastic. You know, this big, major star. They are. Reading. A lot of them are on the, the box sets. Right. Christopher Lee reading. Check. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you can sort of get them, yeah. And a lot of them are on YouTube as well, but yeah, you can you can okay. sort of access them, yeah. Well, well, if my wife's listening or any friends, I would like that box set for Christmas, if you don't mind. This, oh, the this, new year. This, this two, this volume one and volume oh. two, yeah. All right, I think we'll better start with volume one than everybody. So thank you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, the Lawrence Gordon Clark, and also uh, you know the the Jonathan Miller sixty eight mm-hmm. uh, version of Whistle and I'll Come. It's come. Just that's one of the creepiest, best um, adaptations of anything I've ever seen. You know, and it's just I've said this before, but it's you know you can throw as much money as you like at CG. But nothing mm-hmm. is going to terrify me more than just seeing uh, a sheet come to life in that. It's mm-hmm. just just fucking brilliant. I look, it's, it's the atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, it's creepy. It's kind of the minimal dialogue. You've got, you know, he, the, the main character, the doctor, the professor is just talking nonsense most of the time. He's chuntering mm-hmm. away to himself. You've got these scenes where he's waiting to have a bath run for it it's just he's just such an eccentric uh mm-hmm. academic uh, i've got a mate who, who completely reminds me <laughs> just lost in academia and who and i mean this is just a massive theme for mr james it was this idea mm-hmm. of taking the academic the fact obsessed academic and blowing their world apart by introducing them to the supernatural and that that's uh, yeah. uh, something that uh, occurs again and again and again in mr james you know uh, mm-hmm. I, love, I love that idea and but those lawrence gordon clark whether they were mr james um adaptations or whether it was something like the signalman by charles dickens um yeah just just incredible brilliant stuff mm-hmm. like I said, because of the shot on film it gives an extra depth you know it, it, slightly more cinematic even though they're still one by one framed and then you can't beat that you know yeah. and i think that's where films or a series at the moment like the fall of the house that usher look gorgeous because the way the the cares there and the atmosphere the build up you know what i mean that's that's what i really really like but yes i'm gonna have to revisit all those okay uh, i think it's about time to introduce the film we're going to be looking at today so we are going to be looking at Bob Clark's 1974 Black Christmas.
So James, when was the first time you came across this film? Uh, it was completely by accident. Um, I think it was a, a, a time of rental. Um, and it was a, like the last thing in the shop sort of thing. And I thought, oh, well, it's a horror set of Christmas. I'll give that a try. And it was just like, so I was expecting something like Halloween. And and it was just like, wow, this is raw. Like in, in the first 10 minutes, it was just like all this swearing and atmosphere, you know, Christmas, you know, juxtaposition between a happy season and this deranged killer on the phone. And he's, you know, effing and jeffing away hate of these, these women. I thought, oh, this is different. I can't watch this with mum and dad. You know, so it was like, that was my introduction. It was like, I can't watch this with parents because of the language. It wasn't the violence, you know, at the, at the beginning because, you know, it's, there's not much there. It was the tone. It was just like, oh, this is something different. This is a bit raw. It was like my first introduction to mid-70s cinema, which I think American mid-70s. I know it's Canadian, but I think it filled it over. That mid-70s cinema was very raw. It was very grainy. It was very much a hangover from the 60s still. And, you know, the, the people, and we're going to characters later on, but they're all very, they want to be progressive, but they're still very angry at the world. You know, it's a very forward-looking film, but, you know, it, it really has something to say. Yeah, it's it has for me. I mean, there were film. I mean, you, you got films a little bit like this at the beginning of the 80s as well. Um, very dark and and gritty and grainy and raw, like you know Maniac. I think that's one of them. Mm -hmm. There are certain films I think, but I think that they did come later on. But I think that the sort of uh, the key moment for those kind of films, it was like you say, it was the early seventies. There was something mm -hmm. that we reached kind of peak creep factor with those mm -hmm. films. I think. Um, I think they they were. There was there was a rawness. There was mm -hmm. there was it. They were kind of films that are brilliant, but also you kind of want to have a shower after you've seen it. Uh, and I think that the difference between this and something like Halloween. Halloween is great. I'm not knocking Halloween, mm -hmm. but there is something very clean about Halloween. There is something. It's very artful. But there's something there's, mm -hmm. there's not I don't get that sense of the grittiness or graininess to Halloween. It's very clean. Mm -hmm. And I I would, you know, if you're gonna make those obvious comparisons between this film and Halloween something like Halloween, I would say this it's it's almost like um Halloween is like erotica. Whereas mm -hmm. Black Christmas is dirty porn. The, the, right. black, you know erotic, this is you know halloween is kind of feels like more like middle class erotica whereas mm -hmm. black christmas is the kind of grot you used to find under a bush when you were like 13 <laughs> with your mates that's got yeah. suspicious stains on it uh, uh, uh yeah. it's there under the, the bush and like you take it mm -hmm. home because that's more even though it's dirtier that's more kind of exciting then yeah 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 you sort of acceptable erotica yeah um yeah. and i love halloween i'm not knocking it but to me i'd always go for that you know not mm. that into pornography anymore but you know but I did, <laughs> it's that it it's the, the it's a creep factor it it just it's icky uh you know like you said the language the fact mm -hmm. that it's canadian production as well mm -hmm. um 
uh, which is weird you know this is odd because the thing with connect those so there was a lot of money you know they they were mm. you know they 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 had like uh, alongside sort of australia and germany and other places they had these mm. schemes to try and bolster the homegrown films or productions so they took mm. money there were tax relief so that's why you know people like cronenberg got got their sort of break mm-hmm. um but strangely it was kind of so they had these freedoms to make the films they wanted so bob clark you know cronen cronenberg however one of the few places where their films were censored was in canada so you couldn't necessarily see yeah. the films in canada mm-hmm. you had to you know you kind of had to see the american versions cuts and things like that but yeah mm-hmm. this is incredibly um like you said raw it's you know the language that you, you know you forget you know we get swearing all the time we get kind of swearing mm-hmm. on primetime tv now but you just didn't mm-hmm. get it then not in the same way and to hear that those phone calls at the beginning you mm-hmm. know like oh cunt 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 all this kind of it's just like it's just you know even now it's kind mm-hmm. of like, fucking hell that's the- yeah it's <laughs> shocking isn't it? it it's genuinely shocking still you know it's like hearing the swearing the excess which i missed when i was younger when i when i saw the exorcist you know, obviously illegally, you know, God, God bless pirate videos at the time. Um, the the language and, and the, the tone of the film, you, you're talking about like, it's been a grot. But one thing I noticed about watching the film is how unsexualized the women are. Yeah. They're not just there to be picked off, which was incredibly refreshing. They're not just walking around half naked, you know, which slasher movies, you know, especially Friday the 13th would would thrive on. The women are very real, you know. That they are in this hideous situation. There's, there's an absolute nutcase after them. But we don't know why, you know. And it's it's that realism, even though it's a fantastical element. That's what it, again gives another edge. Yeah, and I think also, you know, the final girl. You got Jess, Olivia mm-hmm. Hussey, um, who is, you know. Um, whereas in sort of Halloween, you got this idea that Jamie Lee Curtis's character is more virtuous maybe you know arguably mm-hmm. but you know jess is she's clearly having sex she's pregnant she's thinking about getting an abortion this mm-hmm. you know she's not virtuous in the same sense she's a good person mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. it isn't that you know it, it, it's much more real i think than halloween it's got mm-hmm. you know, it really just halloween's kind of it, it it it's brilliantly artfully done but this is like a punch in the face Mm-hmm. And that's another juxtaposition for Christmas when we're celebrating the birth of some of of, of the the Lord and Christ and 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 all that Christian uh, religion. This one, this woman's actually gone through. Oh, I might want to get rid of this, you know. And it's that that realistic her and her boyfriend. Is it, you know, Kia. He's I think he's brilliant in it. Kia's brilliant in it, and so has been so is Olivia. You know, this very serious actress who was in Romeo and Juliet and, and things like that. And I think that brings the acting to, to a new level, you know, and I think that's really, really the sad part through it, which I didn't realise, obviously, when I was younger watching that as well. And I, thought, I think it also helps when you've got somebody with, like, Margot Kidder in it, who's yeah. just, like, the shining star in the film. She's superb. Yeah, she. I mean, I mean she's great. I mean, it, it, you know, probably whatever they do with kind of Superman from now on, whatever, you know, something about her interpretation of lois lane she just mm-hmm. bought you know she was bringing all of that grit 
to that role everything you know mm -hmm. you see her in like sisters and you see her in uh this film you know yeah. she was bringing that you know she wasn't going into this family film superman and 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 playing it down she was bringing all that you know she mm -hmm. you know lois lane is a smoker she's clearly had mm -hmm. lots of sex she's she's mm -hmm. a you know she's she's been around the block a bit you know and it's it's just really mm -hmm. but but you never i don't see if you want margot kidder that's what you're going to get you know you're not mm -hmm. going to get anything else she's she, mm -hmm. she can't, i don't think she could ever have done sweet if she if you tried yeah. that out she can't do mm -hmm. that uh so so yeah like you said and i think that the the presentation of the sorority house you know mm -hmm. that has been almost over the years turned into a cliche but i think this feels Absolutely. more real mm -hmm. you know and and certainly like you say like the women in this the student the young female students they mm -hmm. certainly very sexualized certainly very not not in terms of they're there as eye candy for us that, yeah. that's not the case at all um mm -hmm. that they are much more real and they're much mm -hmm. more aware of their sexuality and much more aware of who they are and and they are they are you know now mm -hmm. it's kind of rammed out oh you've got to have a strong female character but they are not because they are virtuous not because they can mm -hmm. do everything at the drop of a hat they're mm -hmm. just very real and fleshed out you know mm -hmm. i think they're, they're great characters you know i think i think when we come to this the the remix later on that that's where they fall over because they're trying too hard to say look these women are empowered well, yes, rightly so. Women should be empowered, but if you go back to the original, they already were. They were already coming out with the, you know, the, the true feelings. That all wanted their own, rightfully so, wanted their own careers, and it still showed you that glass ceiling that was still there, and they were trying to push through it, you know. And I, I, th I think they really, really deal with this really well in, in the original Black Christmas. I think the mistake to make some that's made sometimes is that it's this idea of let's take a female character and. It's almost like an overcompensation and give make them superheroes basically, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. they still haven't got any real agency. And mm -hmm. what I'd argue with these characters, and in in the same sense as like Ripley from Alien, mm -hmm. you know, she's got agency. She gets things mm -hmm. wrong. She's scared. Mm -hmm. Does anybody yeah, she's in that situation? You know, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make them weak. It makes no. them very real. Yeah, they make them persistent. They want to get through this. They want to go through this. They want to do it right. And they learn by, she learns by, especially Ripley, learns by her mistakes. And, and that's what makes it a far more interesting character. You know, for everyone to watch, you can relate to people. You know, we all make mistakes all the time because the hero or heroine of the piece makes mistakes. You can identify with them more. Your phone's ringing. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, as we said, it's very raw, it's very gritty, it's mm -hmm. very grainy, it's very much, it, it's, I mean, the other thing about it, I think, you know, the difference between this and Halloween, Halloween, yeah, there, there are shots, a lot of the shots at Halloween are at night, but there is a lot of shots that tend to be inside and in interiors, mm -hmm. uh, which are pretty well lit, which is kind of a... Um, a different take on horror in itself you know it, it's yeah. not but this is a very dark film this is you yeah. know not only because obviously it would have been um a cheap production um 
but not not that it looks cheap um but just in terms of the way it's lit i mean it 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 makes kind of perfect sense to have these kind of more they they are they feel very claustrophobic they feel very you know mm. it's a big house but it doesn't necessarily feel like that the way it's shot you know we have these mm -hmm. low angle shots or we have you know these these point of view shots um uh, but also it kind of makes sense that it's dark and you have these little fairy lights in the background and things like that. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's this, like you said, it's this constant reminder, this constant juxtaposition of this is Christmas time. It's supposed to be about, you know, fawn and joy and children. And yet we're going to throw, this is, ba that's basically the background to this string of horrendous murders. It, mm. you know so by having the darkness decorated with little fairy lights is, mm -hmm. is brilliant i mean when I, i'm a big kind of alice cooper fan and um obviously alice cooper would have been huge at that point mm -hmm. seven seven four mm -hmm. was like the, their sort of peak um well the first time i went to see alice cooper when i was 16 uh when he was doing his nightmare returns tour the stage show for that it was very dark but all around it was strewed these kind of little fairy lights as well and, and right. it, it's a very similar vibe to to what mm. you get with black i mean he's a huge horror fan so you know i could imagine him understanding that aesthetic and taking it and transfers mm. but it, yeah it reminds me of that it's just a mm. look and feel of this film it's it's almost like it, you know this and halloween are in a different universe i think yeah yeah absolutely um but they say we mentioned again that how they always compared. You can see some of the handheld shots, like the opening scene when the on, on Black Christmas when the, it goes towards the house. It's very similar to Halloween's opening shot, even though Halloween shots more fluid. You know they had the proper steady cam. They didn't. There's a lot of handheld shots and POVs from the from the murder himself when he's coming down this, the step ladder from the ceiling and things like that. And I think that was very inventive for its time. Yeah, and and also it, the the kind of reasoning, you know, where you know you could argue as mad and as kind of vicious as Michael Myers is, they kind of the, the first thing we see in Halloween is the setup. This is why he is who mm -hmm. he is. You know, he's he's gone, he's done this terrible thing when he was a kid, and he's got you know something obviously not not right about him. Uh, we see that that kind of origin. So even if that's terrible. And the reveal at the beginning of Halloween is that it's a kid, you know, all that, you yeah. know, that, that's kind of terrible. Um, that's quite shocking. Um, however, you know, you could argue that there is a reason for it. Um, yeah. Whereas this, this has got much more akin, this is much more akin to something like Last House on the Left. Mm -hmm. now, I don't think Last House on the Left is as anywhere near as good a film as this but mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that, that's good about last house on the left is it like this film it is a kick in the stomach uh mm -hmm. because and the reason it's a kicker is because like a lot of those early 70s films it's the transitioning from this idea of in horror everything has to be explained or is there, there is a reason why the baddie's doing this you know mm -hmm. phantom of the opera all this kind of stuff and then with Last House on the left, what you get for all its faults, what you get is there's no reason. They're just doing mm -hmm. this because they mm -hmm. can. And and you kind of get that feeling. Yeah, there are sort you know obviously things happen which you could argue tie, but 
you know, Peter is already already fucked up. You know, before any of this happens, he's already fucked up. Before he learns about Jess and uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, he's clearly mm -hmm. fucked up. And and obviously we've got Kia Duella, who is um he uh, you know most people remember obviously know kia duella through um 2001 but mm -hmm. you know prior to this he was also in things like um uh bunny lake is missing which is mm. a great yes. kind of almost forgotten film i think you know but he's you know again he plays a brilliant psychopath in that mm -hmm. um and he has this creepy even in 2001 i think you know you could argue he has this creepy charm he's just this weird mm -hmm. he is perfect for that kind of role i think mm -hmm. and i think that that's a great thing because he's you know he's he's obviously the main focus it's got to be him it's got to be him and then you know we see this thing at the end. It's just you know it's just, it's just really yeah. I like the way the score hints that it's him all the way through. If you if you listen, there's there's all these piano strings with metal grinding against them, which compares to his character that have been the musician, you know, the the pianist himself, and the constant red herring all the way through. You know, and it forces you again something I didn't pick up when I was younger, obviously. And um, but you're right, there's something just not off kilter with them. There's just something not connecting properly, and you think that. that's what's great. And if, and if you're talking of, 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 of supporting cast, legendary John Saxon's there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. John you know, Saxon. John Saxon was like Lan the Lance Henriksen of his time. He may have done all these B movies, but he never did a B movie acting. You know what I mean? He was never a B movie actor. He was always an A movie actor, no matter what the material. You can give Lance Henriksen anything and he'll make it watchable. And John Saxon was very much uh, very similar. Yeah, John Saxon. Is. Yeah, he is. He's 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 great and, and again it's kind of more you know, he's not trying to be the macho hero, he's just mm -hmm. a cop trying to do his job in very difficult times and, and to try and assess what's fucking happening and, and he not only is he dealing with a killer on the loose, um trying to you know support this community that, that, that that's recently found this dead girl you know um mm -hmm. he's trying to find someone who's missing then these murders happen then these these mm -hmm. phone calls and he's also dealing with you know people like um nash who is just this fucking incompetent sort of uh <laughs> you know, uh officer you know who's yeah, yeah. like yeah and they, but they never really take it too far it's always believable you know it's not mm -hmm. I think one of the, the criticisms with something like Last House on the Left is you've got these terrible, violent scenes that are really repellent, mm -hmm. but then they mm -hmm. sort of couple them with tonally, it's all over the place. You've got these comedy mm -hmm. moments, it doesn't really fit. Whereas I think the comedy mm -hmm. in this, it kind of does fit. You know, you've got Margot, Kid, mm -hmm. Kid, Margot Kidder as this, you know, this um, obviously, you know, 40 a day drunk uh, <laughs> teenager sort of young woman who is very feisty that really works and the kind mm. of stuff she's talking then you got this the whole situation with nash he's getting everything wrong and he's he's clearly some sort of hick who's in the wrong job <laughs> yeah. um, but i think the best one of my favorite characters is is uh is mrs mac um who is, <laughs> is. you know played by the uh, marion waldman um who yeah. is she i know i was doing a little bit of a dig about um she 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 wasn't and she, she only did a handful of films mm -hmm. um uh but she she was a writer as well so she she wrote a, a lot of scripts for tv and films as well but i think in this it's such a great character i i, I love mm -hmm. 
the I mean, it's such a kind of shame that she gets offed, but I think that um, yeah, she's great, and because she in the you know, she's yeah. kind of like you can kind of see well if you give if you give Margot Kidder's character in this another twenty years, she's going to turn into Mrs. <laughs> yes. Mrs. Mack is yes. someone who's clearly been been around the block. She's a mm -hmm. broad. You know, to put it in kind of film noir parlance, she she's a dame with a past, uh, mm. or several pasts, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she's that kind of character, and the idea that she's going around the house and she's got a bottle, of brandy, or whatever it is, or whiskey, in every every single room. You know, it's just <laughs> books, toilet systems. You know, the, she's got the proper stash everywhere. But it's also that she's kind of hiding this. But you know that the students. All know that oh, she's no, yeah. pissed all the time. <laughs> I don't know why she's bothering hiding it, but yeah. But I mean that the scene as well when she gets killed. I mean that that's a really nasty scene as well. You just got the the guy in the corner, the hook, and it's just you know, uh, yeah, it's it's great, really, really brilliant. I mean, the more I watch this, the more I appreciate the cast. Uh, mm -hmm. It really gels, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. all, all of the the sort of main women in the house, um, mm -hmm. including Mrs. Mack, but they are, you know, like like we we're saying before, you know, it's, it, they are very believable. Then they're, they're not mm -hmm. throwaway at all. And this this is mm -hmm. somehow this is, you know, even though this is arguably very influential, you know, before this is four years before Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very influential, but I think a lot of the stuff that that's taken from it, they they kind of leave some of the good stuff behind. They 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 take maybe the the structure of it and the idea mm -hmm. of a sorority house and there there is a murder murders happening in this sorority. But the, what they don't take is that really good characterization, these fleshed out characters, mm -hmm. um, and this sense of reality. You know, it it that's what makes it terrible. Again, mm -hmm. it's what producers tend to do money money people tend to misinterpret what makes something popular in the first mm -hmm. place you're talking about the realism there that how fully formed these are and i think one of the the, the scenes that got me when I, I watched it again recently was the sequence where um the father who's looking for his daughter claire um and and young 13 year old had gone missing to find her body but he thinks it's his daughter so he, he runs to the scene and they say, oh yeah, it's it's this, such and such's daughter, and he, in the relief on his face, so it's not his daughter. And then the the, the mother of the of the, the child that's being murdered comes up, and starts crying. So you see the two different ones, relief ones. Oh my God, my daughter's being killed, and you know, like if you're in that situation, how would you react? Oh thank God, it's not my daughter, but oh my God, it's this poor woman's daughter, you know, or, or son. And that that realism is really really striking, and it's really well done because it's so honest. Because it yeah. would be relief it's not yours, but sadness for the person whose it is. Yeah, that, that I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, that that poor guy. I mean, th mm. this is the thing that 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 you know. Even though films like um, this, like I said, were influential in, in, in you know many respects, what a lot of films didn't take from this, like I said, was that 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 level of realism in terms of. Um, you know, like like you said, that 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 character is looking for his daughter, and you know that's very unusual. You know, parents in, in a lot of slasher films, either parents are not there, we don't see them. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. so something like you know Friday the Thirteenth is just a bunch of kids on holiday, or 
they're doing this or, or there mm-hmm. is some sort of, so when there's no connection with any sort of family but here we've got mm-hmm. a direct link actually there you know this we know as the mm-hmm. audience so this i mean that's kind of almost like a hitchcockian thing where mm-hmm. you know you you give the audience certain information that the char- all the characters in the film haven't got so mm-hmm. we know this poor guy is on this fruitless mission to find his daughter who's already dead mm-hmm. um and that's you know and 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 he's quite a cool customer you know he's he's not he's obviously very upset but it's not like an over-the-top performance or he's out there like a you know he's he's, he's kind of there uh, you know to try and get vengeance or whatever he's just mm-hmm. simply trying to find out what's happened to his daughter and he's hoping mm-hmm. for the best but fearing the worst and mm-hmm. that and and you know right towards the end of the film when he finally understands what's happening and he just collapses because he's been maintaining this stress mm-hmm. all the way through the film and then it's just just over mm-hmm. uh you know that and obviously the the very ending of the film you know in a lot of slasher films that came later on what we have is this this the villain is vanquished you know mm-hmm. um but there is a feeling of this this ambiguity at the end you know this this idea that mm. you know, this poor girl he's been murdered she's still there mm. and people mm-hmm. are kind of walking by and missing it you know mm-hmm. it's it's a really shocking ending mm-hmm. it isn't the way that the phone rings at the end and the cop goes back in you think oh here we go this is it yep there's still somebody in the house there's still something going on there there's you know there's the eeriness of and that's why in place it didn't do any sequels so it would have mm. really watered it down yeah, I would have absolutely watered that down, you know. Um, but but I, you know, I think that way you can you can have it as, you know, who who was who was doing what? This this person was a crazy. Who was still on the phone? Who was that in the loft? Who was doing this? You know, and I think all those elements. I think one of the best elements is when they're trying to tap the phone, and this guy's running around the exchange, trying to yeah. figure out where it's coming from. It's coming from inside the house, you know. And I think it's that's a brilliant piece of of suspense building yeah. there you know and it's something like i said you know saying before you know it that's what makes it a seven very early 70s film because that technology mm-hmm. and i don't i don't want it to be any different you know mm-hmm. uh you know technology in terms of reality you know if you were trying to find a murder suspect or whatever we have got better technology we can track people much quicker thankfully mm-hmm. but for this that the level of technology you had then makes it work really well and it really mm-hmm. creates this suspense you know that like you said the physical mm-hmm. movement of a guy running through this kind of thing trying to find out and then we we mm-hmm. eventually after two or three times we find mm-hmm. out you know he's in the house he's still in the house yeah. you know and obviously nash has got this really important job of trying to calm her down and get her out of the house and he completely fucks it up you know and it's all absolutely yeah but but that's when um that's like keep on the seasonal thing that's if you remade Home Alone, which oh my god, they did a couple of years ago anyway. But it's mobile phones, isn't it? So you know the kid would just rang his mum on the mobile, saying I'm still in the house, and that would destroy it. And same with where Black Christmas would be destroyed if you didn't have that tension there, trying to trace the call. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. just you know like, that that's yeah, the ending of Casablanca would be shit now, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello, hello again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it is, it, and it's solid all the way through. You know, there's, there's a little padding in it. You know, and I, I read somewhere before that apparently Margot Kidder was drinking proper alcohol during the scenes when she's drinking. It, that surprises me, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, 
it's 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 brilliant. I, I love that. I, another thing I read before as well was it, it, it connects it with Halloween. Is that Malcolm McDowell was down for the Saxon role and turned it down. Very similar to Christopher Lee turned down Loomis and regretted it. Malcolm McDowell regretted it. I, I, I could I could see McDowell as in the the Kia Duala role. Mm. It, um, well, he, he turned down the yeah, he turned down the Saxon role. So as I remember, yeah, it would have been really good as that. Yeah, I I don't I don't know I don't know if it worked as well as I mean obviously there's a Kubrick connection you know but um I don't mm-hmm. know if it, I I I I think there's something about I don't know I I'm not entirely sure it would work with Kia Duella and you know Malcolm McDowell I don't know I think mm-hmm. that's why John Saxon is is a really good you know he really mm-hmm. is a, a, a you know different kind of character and I think it, mm-hmm. it, there's a strong contrast there I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it works it's a lot better. Being fallible. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the. I mean, go, going back, you know, you, you you touched upon it there, but the music. I mean, that mm. that's the thing. Obviously, with something like Halloween, the music is incredibly iconic. It's brilliant. You know, John Carpenter's music is fantastic. It's just mm-hmm. really simple but really chilling. Um, that is absolutely, you know, one of the best pieces of music for a horror film ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, however, what I, I do love the music for this because it's just not, it's almost not music. It's almost not a soundtrack. It's discordant. Mm-hmm. It's ambient. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's the, the like you said, the, cat, the, the keys being stretched over the piano key. It's just all this mm-hmm. weird stuff. You know, mm-hmm. if you'd had a more solidly constructed soundtrack, as in, more music it wouldn't have worked for this at all the, mm-hmm. this has got to be the, the what it is you know it's it's mm-hmm. almost like you know what you're hearing is a, a, a cat being thrown inside a piano and, and, and running around <laughs> that's what kind yeah. of what it feels like and i wouldn't have any other soundtrack for it, it absolutely and i think um against the unpredictability of that isn't it it's, if, if we don't know where the score is going to be you know they rely on 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 christmas carols through which always to me, it's always effective in a horror film because you know, like Carol the Bells is used in great films such as uh, Christmas Horror Story. They're the, the, the one version of that, and I think it's a great piece of music. It's haunting enough as it is, you yeah. know. And I love that sort of stuff. It kind of—I mean, obviously, this is a, a year before Jaws, but it, in some ways, it reminds me of Jaws because there is it, it, there's there's kind of things that sort of resonate with Jaws. Like a, you've got some of those more common comedic elements i think that you get in jaws um b you've got you know like we we discussed you've got actual um parents of the victims being at the forefront you know and and, Mm -hmm. and going through that like you do in jaws and also what you've got is um uh a a disaster or you've got an event uh a shattering community shattering event Mm. and you've got local law enforcement that some people know what they're doing and some people don't as you've got mm-hmm. in Jaws and also what you've got is the local community you've got lots of people wanting to help but are not really fit to do that you know and it, yeah. it's a lot of that it's a very 70s thing but I think you, you, you don't really see that a lot after this and you know there's a lot of stuff there that reminds it's the same vibe as Jaws I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways in that we mm. don't really know where this thing's going. Yes, it kind of, you know, 
we we get an ending and, and, and in, in Jaws it's more sort of direct in terms of they get rid of the shark but it is that kind mm-hmm. of thing that's leading to what we don't really know it could go either way this could be really bleak mm-hmm. and black or or it could have mm-hmm. a better ending but yeah mm-hmm. it, it it's that similar sort of vibe to Jaws I think mm-hmm. absolutely and and you think but and the ending's very much like Halloween you know, it shows you scenes where things have happened in, in the place. You know, I, th- I think that, you know, I'm not saying Halloween directly copied it. It's just every filmmaker is influenced by someone, you know. But I think, you know, the more you watch this one, you can see where a lot of people have been influenced, you know. And to me, it's it's the realism that still, it still makes it a far stronger film. I would, I, yeah, I would take this over Halloween every time. I watch this every mm-hmm. year without fail, um, but I probably mm-hmm. haven't seen Halloween for a few years. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do like Halloween, but it, there's, there's bits of Halloween that bores me a bit. It's not, it doesn't hold my attention all the way through like this. And mm-hmm. this, this feels like it's on about twenty minutes. The Halloween one, I prefer the one um, which, which actually has the, the pieces with with um, Loomis arguing in the hospital that Michael should be kept in. You know, yeah. the extended American TV cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer that version. That that one feels better, you know, because it adds, adds more story to it. But, you know, but, but Bob Clark, you know, I think he directs this perfectly. You know, I, I don't think he gets him a credit for it. No, I, and I think, you know, he's a really interesting director. And again, you know, talked about this before, but it, this idea of... Um, the outer is kind of like it's overplayed i think and people are too willing to sort of take up that mantle and i don't think it applies to i don't think it really applies to anybody's handful of people perhaps um uh, but i think mm-hmm. bob clark's one of those people that kind of run you know it's similar to mike hodges he kind of runs against the grain because he's not trying to be an outer he's just a job in mm-hmm. director he's just very very good you know someone mm-hmm. like mike hodges can go from get carter to flash gordon you know uh-huh. Very, very different films, you know. Brilliant, yeah, both brilliant, but very different, you know. But we, have, but Bob Clark went went from this. And he, he did a, a Christmas story. Christmas story. And he, yeah. he did, you know, which is which America. You know, I think America thinks it's the greatest Christmas film made. If you look at all the merch you now buying, Porky's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the first two Porky's movies in in mid these, and, and probably one of the finest Sherlock Holmes movies ever made, Murder, by, Murder by Decree. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Which is just outstanding, you know. I still love that. That again, that's that's one of those films I will watch between Christmas and New Year. You know, it's it's just one of those films I love because the atmosphere. They don't make films like that anymore. You know, it's just it, it's it. And, you know, Christopher Plum is outstanding. That you know, the Jack the Ripper thing. I know it's been done loads of times with Sherlock Holmes, but it feels nice and original in this. Yeah, and it, you know, it, that, it's, that's yeah, it is, and it's it's kind of like it's taking... very different films. It's taking those theories, the Jack the Ripper theories that aren't been explored by other people, but it's, yeah, and but yeah, like you say, Christopher Plummer is just great, and it the the the, the outrage at the end, and the, the him fighting, you know, with all his detective powers, he can't actually <laughs> fight the system, which is completely mm-hmm. corrupt. It's brilliant, mm-hmm. really good, movie. yeah. No, I was saying it reminded me, well, Clark's career reminded me very much of Peter Jackson's early career. Yeah, because he made these films like Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, and he made this. Well, you know, Pete Jackson made um, Bad Taste, and and um, what was it? Brain, brain dead. Remember this? Brain, brain dead. He made those, and then he made made Make the Fables. 
you know, so so it's like very similar here. He, he he made this and that. He made um, the Tomb of Dead Things. He made um, Black Christmas, but he made Porky's. So it's a very very similar horror. Then like an adulty film, and then he made this like family film. Like he went and did Lord of the Rings. You know, everybody loved that, and he made a Christmas story, which is amazing. The Murder by Decree is just a brilliant film. But I think, but I, I, you know, I would say, but a Christmas story, which I love, um, and I think it's only, it's not really been a big thing over here in, in only no, the last not, no. 10, 10, 15 years, I think. You know, I remember seeing mm. it probably about 10 years ago for the first time, and mm. it just, just came up on Channel 5 or something like that. I was like, what's this? Mm. Um, but I would argue Christmas story, yeah, it's a family film. Well, it's kind of, I don't know if it is a family film. It is. But there's stuff in there. It's very adult in places, I think. Not 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 to the point of Black Christmas. Yeah, yeah, adult, yeah, yeah. But it, it feels like a very. It's a grim telling of Christmas in some ways. It's heartwarming mm-hmm. in some ways, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's got that darkness and the hat. It's almost mm-hmm. like it feels like it could be filmed in this. It's, it's from the same universe as uh, Black mm-hmm. Christmas. You know, you can imagine this mm-hmm. happening. You know, a few a few uh, streets down the block, a few few blocks down, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it's got that graininess and grittiness. Now it's a few years later, but it does have mm-hmm. that. I think it it's. I'm not I'm not at all saying it's Black Christmas at all. It's not that grim, but it is, <laughs> but it is kind of like it's a more mm-hmm. it's a more cynical telling of Christmas. It's a more mm-hmm. absolutely you know the whole um going to the mall and it's just a, a load of bollocks you know and it's and, and, <laughs> and, and you know the main little kids you know he, ralph is just he's understanding yeah. it's not about christmas it's him understanding yeah. the world is a bit shit really and you've got to just make <laughs> the most of it and, and appreciate your family because you're just going to get screwed you know the classic thing is the you know with the ring the oval teen ring and it's just mm-hmm. it's working out the code and he finally gets the all the code and it's just like it just turns mm-hmm. into another advert that's kind of like mm-hmm. a metaphor for life isn't it you know you put all this effort mm-hmm. in and you're gonna get you, you're gonna get screwed <laughs> that's why I, you know it is it's a lovely film but it's also it's very very cynical it's very mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not a fucking american hollywood christmas mm-hmm. film it isn't that mm-hmm. it's really it's, it's much better what it's much it's, it's done much better than that i think a crummy commercial son of a bitch i went out to face the world again wiser that, 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 that's very true but one thing i've just thought of there about black christmas again is the lack of real blood in gore in it very much like halloween yeah, you, you see, like, an, a more of an aftermath. I think only the real gory scenes is Margot Kidder's stabbed by... Is it the unicorn horn, I think, they use in a... In a um, yeah, like unicorn statue. Horn. I think and that's when you really see any real bloodletting, really, in that film. Yeah, it's the only kind uh, of I think... penetration, really, but, you know, penetrative, mm-hmm. you know, device going... Oh, it's very phallic, mm-hmm. obviously, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think that's interesting as well, you know, Margot Kidder... You know, it almost ties into that more cliched version of the flasher, but uh, the slasher, sorry, where she is mm. kind of, um, you know, she she's she's talking about 
she's much more sexualized or she 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 vocalizes how much more sexualized she is and she's much more mm -hmm. willing to talk about it and she's embarrassing people and she's getting pissed and she's talking mm -hmm. and you know she's very offhand she comes from the city you know they come from more sort of rural uh, uh, mm -hmm. places and and she's saying you know i mean you get the sense that she's probably it's all you know bark is worse than a bite and she's just, just saying yeah. this stuff but you know she's very with the girl that gets killed first you know she's saying um that you know she's been she's she's been very offhand about rape and things like that and mm -hmm. it's interesting that she gets killed with this very phallic sort of so it's almost mm -hmm. taking this very childish thing like a unicorn but it turns into a phallic weapon you know it's very mm -hmm. very interesting whether that was deliberate or not i don't know but it, it mm -hmm. feels you know quite a key but i think the only blood apart from that the only other blood we see is actually on uh peter as well when he's you know at the end i think that, that's that's yeah any bloody scenes we really see yeah I, I think you know the way he's you know he's he is deranged all the way through you know i, I always think oh god he's he's just a red-headed heron all the way through it you know i mean I, when i originally saw it i thought sort of, this is too obvious and then it's <laughs> i should know when you see him smashing the piano up <laughs> it's just i think it's a great thing <laughs> it just he's, which i think that's brilliant but um I, I, I don't know. It, 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 as, as a whole, it's great. And you can't recapture that sort of cinema anymore. You know, I, I think that the way it is, that's of its time, isn't it? Yeah, 21st century cinema should do what 21st century cinema does. And I think at its best, it's mm. brilliant. You know, mm. you know, I've said over and over again, some of the best films, horror films to ever made have been made this century. Just, just great stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um and if and if you're out there thinking well they don't make decent horror films anymore you're a fucking idiot because they they do mm -hmm. <laughs> i think that was out speak, there. But, speak but yeah. to me was brilliant yeah 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 talk to me yeah talk to me is fantastic talk to me sorry really thank you. brilliant yeah yeah that's really good australian um it's it's very much got a the veneer of kind of a an 80s kind of slasher but with a very modern feel mm -hmm. to it and using and and it's, it's a brilliant example of you know like we talked about mobile phones they kind of ruin things in a way but actually it's a great example of using something like new digital yes. technology mm -hmm. and combining it mm -hmm. with those kind of more old school horror mm -hmm. tropes it's brilliantly done it's really well mm -hmm. done it's great i think that's because what the, the first remake of black christmas in the, as the mid nineties, is very scream influenced. You know, you can see that. You can see the scream influence of that. And then the the, the latest one, the Blumhouse version, it was basically just Black Christmas by title, really. You know, and that's very the Me Too movement sort of, you know, female empowerment film. So you can see where it comes from the eras, you know, of how now cinema makers uh, view old ips you know that um like the, the remake of the fog is very scream influenced you know the way they have these you know more most beautiful people in the world sort of characters you know nobody can relate to sort of thing and i think and i think that that um that, that horror now works best when it reflects the technology and things as we are now you know yeah right in, in 10 years time when we'll watch watch films we've just been talking about Oh yeah, that's very much of its time, you know. And I think that's when horror works best when it doesn't try to be something it's not. Yeah, I think I think one of the best 
remakes or you know reimaginings whatever you want to call it uh, of recent times is Suspiria you know mm. as much yeah. as people railed against that oh well Dargento mm. is in it is an absolute classic yeah it is but actually what the remake does is it takes a lot of those it takes a lot of those kind of shallow elements but it also it gives it a very 21st century vibe and it uses mm-hmm. some of the the cg we've got now you know mm-hmm. to, to produce some of those scenes but what it mm-hmm. i think what the key thing with it is is that if you watch as much as i love uh argento suspiria and inferno um you know but it's suspiria we you'd hardly know it was a dance academy because you don't really see any dancing and mm-hmm. i think that's what the new version does it takes the idea of dance and makes that absolutely essential to the horror uh and it's really it's really yeah. good yeah I, I i really liked i wasn't sure at first but yeah i've been seeing it a couple of times now i really i really rate it i think it's a, it's a really mm-hmm. great 21st century horror film taking an old ip but doing something completely different with it you know um you know and, and some of the best films ever made have been remakes you know uh or or mm-hmm. retakes on 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 original sorts you know obviously the thing um invasion of the body snatchers you know these are things that because they are so universal and they've got they've got these elements that you can just revisit and do them in different ways i think they are Mm -hmm. worth revisiting you know Mm um yeah so uh any other last thoughts on uh black christmas um apart from it being on christmas night at nine o'clock on nicks (laughs) got to get the plug in um um i i think just the film and I know we've 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 put so many spoilers in this anyway, but I think you can go at this film, and if you've never seen it before, still get a lot from it. Yeah, because of the way it was made, technically, um, the era in which it was made, um, it, the way the world was at the time, where people were viewed at the time, you know. I think you know it, it really sums up the era what better than documentaries would of the era. I think it's a very more honest reflection of, of the time. And and apart from that, it's a damn good horror film with an atmosphere that, that is dirty, that is creepy, and that is, is a, a natural fear. You know, and I think I think because it plays on those things as a parent, you know, missing child, oh, it must be horrific. You kind of comprehend what that would be like. And I think it, it, even though it's a fantastical situation, it's it's very kept much in, in the in a, re- a reality that's that's you know that haunts it all the way through yeah it's absolutely brilliant and if you've only seen this kind of with one eye on it and um you, you know half cut on sherry or your mince pies or whatever i, I would really <laughs> recommend going back and really watching it mm-hmm. because it's it's just a really it's a master class in kind of low budget but brilliant filmmaking it, this is bob clark you know show this is a a, a a skill, a very, very skillful filmmaker, and a great cast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the the cast bring a lot to it. If we go and think about uh, the script itself, you know, it seems fully formed. You know, it's it's there, and and the way the, the script, I, I don't know. To, to, to me, something going back to Margot Margot Kidder, some of it looks improvised from her, and I love her reactions when she's being really filthy with the police when she's re, when she re, repeat the thing, and I just love her face, and I think that's a genuine reaction from her. You know, she she knows it's funny. She knows it's wrong, 
it looks so natural. She's she was a huge loss when, yeah. when she died. You know, it really is to me. It's her film um, for, for me to look back on it. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't as, as good as Olivia Hussey is. I don't. She's not the first person mm-hmm. I think of when I think of this film. I think no. of Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, it just remains for me to say. Well, you know, everybody out there have a lovely Christmas and all that. Um, write us a review if you get time over Christmas. Chuck us a review on uh, um, on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Uh, so it just remains for me to say thanks to James for coming back on again. Cheers, buddy. No problem. He's next time. Mm. And so remember to call round next time. Make yourself at home. You look like you're dying for a nice cup of tea for terror. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future.